Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Dr. Peter Bregan is here for the entire program. He and his wife, researcher Ginger Bregan, have uncovered some pretty startling documents that would appear to connect the dots between Dr. Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, and his Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, or CEPI, Klaus Schwab, the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, and the Communist Chinese Bioweapons Program. So I think you know what this is pointing towards. Now, before we get to Dr. Bregan, a quick programming note. Normally, we live stream this on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. But I'm not going to give YouTube the opportunity to demonetize this episode or to take it down, which is entirely likely. If I were to post this program tonight on YouTube, it would be my third strike. And they would take the channel down, probably for good. I don't like YouTube. But I need them, at least for the time being. So I'm going to use them for my purposes. Now, this episode will be available on my Rumble channel, rumble.com. If you search under channels, Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, you'll find it there. I can't live stream on Rumble yet, but we're working on that. So again, look for this episode on rumble.com. What you're about to hear over the course of the next two hours is not crazy, tinfoil hat, conspiracy nonsense. It is, I believe, conspiracy fact. Conspiracies are not just theories. Oftentimes, conspiracies are crimes, as we've talked about many times in the program. And that's what we are likely confronted with here. If what Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Bregan are presenting in their new book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey, is true – What we have suffered through over the last year and a half is an unimaginable, horrific crime. There is just no other way to sugarcoat this. Some of us have long suspected that we were being lied to from the outset, lied to by the politicians, the mainstream media, the World Health Organization, other international institutions. And when we talked about the fact that what made most sense was that the SARS-CoV-2 virus was created in the Wuhan China lab and escaped, or perhaps worse, was deliberately released, we were shouted down by the MSM. And now that scenario seems most likely. Now tonight, you're going to hear about a series of documents that have been uncovered by my guest, Dr. Peter Bregan and his wife that reveal just how deep this odious scheme goes. And the conclusions are pretty scary, difficult to process. The takeaway, as I see it, is that communist China, communist China, has declared war against the West. And they have legions of supporters in North America at all levels of government, in the media, in countless government agencies, in academic institutions, research facilities, you name it. And I've talked about this. Many of my guests have talked about this, hinted at this, suspected this. Now you're going to hear about the documents which drive these Stark points home. So I strongly urge you to hang in for the full two hours. Dr. Peter Bregan 
is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist and former full-time consultant with NIMH. That's the National Institute of Mental Health. He's in private practice in Ithaca, New York. Dr. Bregan also acts as a medical expert in criminal malpractice and product liability legal cases. He's been involved in landmark cases on behalf of patients' rights in regard to antidepressants, antipsychotic drugs, and electroshock and lobotomy. His list of books include Talking Back to Prozac, Medication Madness, Brain Disabling Treatments in Psychiatry, Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, Heart of Being Helpful, Empathy and the Creation of a Healing Presence. Wow, I'm an American. Guilt, Shame and Anxiety, Understanding and Overcoming Negative Emotions and his latest, which I believe is out a little bit later this month and we'll tell you more about how to get it and how to get a uh, updates. COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. The website, wearetheprey.com. Wearetheprey.com. Dr. Peter Bregan, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? It's good to be with you again. So I'd like to begin sort of at the beginning because you are a Harvard-trained psychiatrist. You are a man of science. And what we're about to talk about tonight really gets into geopolitics and political subterfuge. How did this story, how did you begin to connect the dots, you and, and your researcher wife, Ginger? I mean, this must have been a large pill for you to swallow. Well, not as large as you might think, because we go back to, say, 1970s, and I conducted an international campaign to stop lobotomy and psychosurgery, that's psychiatric brain mutilation with scalpels and electrodes. And I was just shocked to see that the whole medical establishment and scientific establishment didn't want anyone claiming that basically uh, this psychiatric neurosurgical treatment done at Harvard and Brown and all over the country, you know, was, was simply brain mutilation. And the only way it could work would be uh, by blunting the human for the rest of her life. So I was very surprised then. And then it just grew over the years. In about 1992, the publication of my book, Toxic Psychiatry, I was asked to be the um, single scientific expert for all the combined lawsuits against Eli Lilly, who is the manufacturer of Prozac. And Prozac was the first real bombshell psychiatric drug, blockbusters, they called them from then on. And um, that was, it had, you know, it was on the cover of Newsweek. It was just enormously promoted drug by the big media. And there were about 150 lawsuits. I was the scientific expert, meaning that I'd go inside the drug company. And then I also went inside, you know, some of the FDA, interviewed some of the FDA people, spent a, long, a lot of time researching what was going on with Eli Lilly and this drug. And I was shocked at the corruption inside Eli Lilly. And I wrote a whole book about it with Ginger as my co-author, and that was uh, talking back to Prozac, and it was actually a bestseller. But the shock of leaders of Eli Lilly meeting with the FDA at 6 or 7 in the morning before any reporters would see them coming in and out of the building to discuss what to do about Bregan's accusations that Prozac was causing violence and suicide and psychosis and, and the various many lawsuits we had. 
So that was very disillusioning. I had always assumed that controlled clinical trials were the, quote, gold standard, we, we used to say, and they were just the golden calf. They were so corruptly done. They were marketing tools, you know, big money. Big money doesn't subject itself to science when it's got a, a product that plans to invest and make uh, hundreds of millions of dollars out of, or even billions. And that was very disillusioning. But I kind of had a little delusion of my own, which didn't get shaken in fully until COVID-19. And that, that little delusion of my own was, it's just this bad because my profession of psychiatry is fundamentally unscientific. So naturally, the drug companies have to make up diseases and make up treatments, and psychiatrists have to make up treatments and make up diagnoses. And I'm not talking about psychotherapy now. Psychiatrists don't do psychotherapy anymore. It doesn't make enough money. All they do is drugs and shock treatment and hospitalization. So I was still just a tad naive, but I was way ahead of, say, your average doctor, even very smart doctor, even smarter than me doctor, working on COVID-19 because they hadn't seen the insides of the drug companies. Right. In other words, Dr. Bregan, you uh, had come to terms with the fact that drug companies, in terms of the drugs that were, were used for psychiatric purposes, and that branch of medicine had become corrupted, but you weren't aware of the level of corruption that had spilled over into the other areas of medicine. Is that the well, idea? That was, that was basically everywhere in the corporate world, really, as I got into things more and more. I had actually begun to look at vaccines shortly before COVID-19. So that was just by chance. I published my first paper on vaccines in January of 2020, so it was before COVID-19. And I'd gotten interested in it because some people had told me that the vaccine manufacturers were even meaner and nastier and more suppressive than the psychiatric drug people. Now, they can also be the same people, and they often are. I mean, if you look at what goes on now with two of the biggest vaccines, Pfizer and J&J, those are drug companies, and I've been up against them. I was up against them in courts on uh, their psychiatric drugs. So they were reappearing on the scene, or I was reappearing in their lives. Has this corruption or coercion filtered down to the various medical associations that represent doctors, uh, surgeons? Uh, it, it, is it, has it reached those levels as well? Because, I mean, yes. my, I guess my overall question is, whatever happened to, you know, the first major uh, tenet of of um, healthcare, which is first, do no harm. Yeah, that's a faraway story now. Um, uh, the health delivery systems, like in my, my hometown here of Ithaca, New York, when I moved here 20 years ago, um, you know, we had private doctors that we went to. Now, every single one of them, literally every single one, is a part of one single a health provider that's based out of the hospital, and um, and they're just not as they're not as good anymore. They're not as caring. They're not as friendly. They're more bureaucratic. They've got more rules, and uh, they're they're clearly much less in touch the, uh, than they were 20 years ago when we got here. Um, so it's just happening all over the country in a whole variety of ways in the health system. 
But I don't want to get too far away from <clears throat> this most amazing phenomenon of COVID-19. And maybe I'll jump ahead and, and tell you how we finally got involved in it. Oh, I want yes, to talk about the vaccines. I'm not an anti-vax at all. I haven't actually studied a lot of the vaccines. And in principle, I'm not against them. The, the new so-called vaccines that are uh, put out by Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and J&J are not vaccines, and maybe we'll get a chance to go into that. They're, they're actually uh, genetic manipulations. They're uh, kind of transhuman, transhumanism in operation. They're not vaccines, so in any normal term, because a vaccine is, is where you have a killed virus or a mostly killed virus or deactivated virus, and you inject that, and it's not rarely going to cause harm. But what struck me um, is just that the, the vaccine companies had, had more privileges in the psychiatric in, than in their psychiatric work. They're often the same people, as I said. They, they had their own vaccine courts. So you couldn't sue them. That was much more power and corruption than uh, in, in the psychiatry field. I mean, literally, they... They bought the government, the vaccine people, and said, we're going to put out these vaccines. We don't want to get sued. Gee, why wouldn't they want to get sued? They're really afraid. They, they know they're going to cause a lot of harm. And they have a vaccine court that you have to go to, and you have to go up against the federal government, and it's very limited in what you can do with it. And then, uh, then I found out that the vaccines um, uh, for measles and mumps and all the other things, and those vaccines were not double-blind, placebo-controlled studies. They, they, used, they, they got away with comparing one vaccine to another vaccine, which would cover up the common ailments caused by the vaccines. So, I mean, that, it was really not good. But again, I certainly believe that vaccines have you know, done a lot of wonderful things. They wiped out right. polio, which was the scourge of my generation. Not well, yeah, it's amazing that you can have taken all of the other vaccines and be okay with most of the other vaccines and, and, and adhere to the vaccine schedule. But if you're against the COVID vaccine, suddenly now you're an anti-vaxxer. It's, it's yeah. remarkable well, how that happened. It's such a bad vaccine, and we'll get into what this is all about. Uh, again, let's not call I'd like to get out of the habits of calling of vaccines. But what got us started, we were very reluctant to get into this uh, COVID-19 stuff. I didn't realize how unique my skills are. I mean, how many doctors are there who've been in trial? I've been in trial over 100 times. I've had hundreds of suits involving drugs and psychiatry and shock and lobotomy that I didn't even go to trial in. So it's a huge amount of experience with the corporations and how to evaluate them, how to evaluate doctors' behaviors and how unscrupulous some doctors can be. It's unique, and I didn't quite realize that, but... It's wonderfully been recognized by a lot of the really good doctors working in COVID-19 now. I mean, I've just got a whole group that I'm, I relate to, or several groups that Ginger and I relate to. But the thing that turned me around was Ginger and I were thinking about, we said, look, you're called the conscience of psychiatry. You take on COVID-19 and, and, and all this years of work, I've written over 20 books, four, four of them co-authored or co-edited with Ginger, I've written... 70 or whatever scientific papers, you know, all that could go down the drain under another attack. Already been attacked plenty. And, um, and we were just waiting. And, and then in March, you know, it's just a month or two into this thing, um, Ginger brings me a paper 
written in 2015. And the paper's main author is a man named Menek Cherry. Or Menek Cherry. He's from, he's from um, down in uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And um, he, he actually, uh, the big man behind him puts his name on last on the paper. His name is Barrick, B-A-R-I-C, Barrick. He's a very big guy in what is called gain-of-function research. Gain-of-function means you take what is either a very harmless or not that dangerous virus, all of it that I've been looking at with the COVID, the COVID research has been the harmless bad viruses, the by and large pretty harmless, harmless bad viruses turned into virulent pandemic viruses. And that's what they were doing back in 2015. They were making SARS-CoV, and they called them that, SARS-CoV pandemic viruses in North Carolina. And by then, we knew that China was, uh, we were already thinking that China, this thing came out of the Wuhan Institute, what the hell are the connections there, what's going on? And we discovered there are two Chinese uh, researchers on the same study, co-authors of this paper making what are potentially weapons of war. I mean, there's no doubt when you make virulent viruses in the lab, you're also doing, you know, biological warfare research. It's same thing. Right. So you take a natural occurring uh, wild virus from bats. And then with this gain of function, you juice it up, make it more virulent, easier to study, and then you you infect upper respiratory human cells that have been placed in mice, right? So you've got a, like a chimera. You've got a mice, a mouse with with human upper respiratory cells in it. Is that the that idea? Certainly one of the things they do. That's why we call them Franken-mice. And they also will... Um, Injected into into mice who don't necessarily have the human receptors um, uh, placed in them. Sometimes they'll make those mice sick, but they usually place a human. You know, they use mice have been genetically modified to have human receptors in them that will accept these these deadly uh, viruses. And they also test the human, uh, in this case, human epithelial cells themselves in a petri dish. So you've got it live in the animals, and you've got it in the, in the you know, in the in the lab in the petri dish. Doctor Bregan, we're about to come in and go into a break here, uh, but just very quickly, at, at this point, when they through gain of function, are they attaching a spike protein to the bat virus in order to sort of that's the key to insert into the lock of the human re- cell receptors? Yes, they were, and they were getting some of the materials for that directly from the Wuhan Institute. They were exchanging all this. We helped build SARS-CoV-2. So Chapel Hill, back in 2015, this paper demonstrates Chapel Hill in North Carolina is cooperating with the Wuhan Virology Lab. They are, they are creating, or they, through gain of function, a, uh, a SARS-CoV-type virus taken from bats, placed in human cells. They've attached a spike protein. We'll pick up on that point when we come back. Dr. Peter Bregan, uh, co-author of COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. Wearethepray.com, the website. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show right after this. 
Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has, in many ways, helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean by it? Do you mean like well, there's, perhaps there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation? A chance? There's a novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know, we could ask the Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just that's just a little too weird. Don't you think? And then they ask the scientists, they're like, how did this? So wait a minute. You work at the Wuhan Respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> there you go. John Stewart appearing on Steve Colbert's show. And yeah, now he comes out. It's it's safe for a comedian, Mr. Funny Man, to come out on a talk show and, and uh, joke about it. Where were you uh, a year ago when some of us were talking about this, that that's what made most sense, that this virus – either escaped or was allowed to escape or was made to escape from the uh, the Wuhan Virology Lab. All right, back to uh, my conversation with Dr. Peter Bregan, co-author of COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. We are the prey.com is the website. We'll tell you how to get the book in a, uh, a little bit here. So we were talking about this document from 2015, Dr. Bregan, which showed uh, this gentleman from Chapel Hill, Menachery, working alongside uh, Barrick and uh, also uh, two Chinese scientists. I'm guessing one of them was the, uh, the bat lady, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Shi Zheng Li, and, uh, as a collaborator, and perhaps even her superior. Is that right? That's exactly right, yes. Two of the top people in the entire Chinese uh, hierarchy, and they're all going to be very, very close to the uh, leaders of the Communist Party. Uh, Xing Li Shi is really a PR person for the Communist Party. In China, they, uh, and people really need to know this, there, there is nothing free there, no, nothing even close to independent institutions. It's all under the Communist Party, and that got even tightened more, just as we got tightened more under what's becoming our one-party, uh, progressive party system. It got even tighter under the Chinese Communist Party. And they have a, po- a, 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 a upfront policy called military-civil fusion. That means that the military is on top of anything in the civil world, civilian world, business, science, that has any remote interest to the well-being of the Chinese people and to warfare. And then, worst of all, they, they uh, are most shocking of all, they have a policy of unrestricted warfare. They don't, they're not interested in trying to confront the United States, which has so much greater firepower than they do, overwhelmingly greater firepower. They want to undermine us in whatever way they can, and their, their standard of ethics, there's a whole book about it that came out of their military, their standard of ethics is it's ethical if it reaches its goal. And um, there was a lot lot for them involved in 
2020, late to 2019 and 2020, because Donald Trump was the first president, the first one really, to stand up to China. Just just like Ronald Reagan was the first one to stand up to Russia, and got he got you know uh, just attacked for talking about the evil empire and Star Wars and so on to defend us. I remember I was quite on the progressive area back in the Reagan area, and I thought, oh, who is this crazy guy? Which um, before I really understood American history, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and a lot of other things, which I really eventually got deeply immersed in. So they have unrestricted warfare, and they were going to use it against Donald Trump one way, one way or another, because he was reversing history. History was that the Chinese empire was extending itself without resistance throughout the world. And I right. Well, no with the cooperation, it was it was President Clinton that uh, welcomed China in and pushed for China's inclusion in the World Trade Organization. They got favored trade status. Uh, it was it was main it was the Chamber of Commerce and and Wall Street that uh, uh, that um, you know moved hundreds of thousands of manufacturing jobs out of the United States. It was a great deal for uh, the uh, I think they've been referred to as the China class, not necessarily uh, uh, um, Chinese Americans, but um, American uh, uh, business people people who have profited off of. Uh, this, this yeah, we looked deal. into that in the yeah. book uh, a great deal. I went down and examined uh, about the top the 20 U.S. billionaires, and with the ex- possible exception of Larry Ellison, none of them are, uh, or their corporations, are patriotic. I mean, you can look at the Waltons and Walmart, but they don't run it anymore. And uh, the Walmart was building buildings continue building buildings in Wuhan after all this began. So all the top billionaires, all the top tech companies deeply involved in China, and this, uh, and they, uh, they don't love America. They don't love God. They don't love the flag. They don't love freedom. I've read a lot of their remarks, watched their videos. You're not going to see Bill Gates talking about human freedom. I mean, it's the last thing he wants, uh, those folks very definitely, and um, they want to control things. They want to control the world. They want to so, milk the world. And um, and there's a direct link from all of that to what we were just discussing. Because as we looked into it and we started to hear more about Fauci, we were among the first to begin talking about the fact that Fauci was on Bill and Melinda Gates' foundation on its council advising on, guess what, vaccines. So this little council of five or six big globalist international people, uh, and there's, there, there's Fauci, and so he is a close ally going years back of Bill Gates. So this is CEPI you're talking about, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. Yeah, well, that uh, I can switch gears then and go back a ways again. So I was talking about 2015. Well, that actually turned out to be a pretty big year, although we've tracked back um, Fauci funding of uh, gain of function, I think as far as 2008 or somewhere around in there. In 2015 was really their big moment. 
And, uh, of course, they were building these viruses, and, and it was clear they didn't have just one. And um, these car- uh, SARS-CoV viruses, and they were exactly like SARS-CoV-2 two in that they uh, attacked uh, older people and injured people and immune-compromised people, but they pretty much let children and young adults free. And there was another problem, which was that if you infected a mouse, you, if you immunized, if you gave a mouse one of their vaccines that they were working on, and then you exposed them to the virus, they sometimes, especially anyone that was older, they got sick, they even died. They had such ghastly immune responses from having a double exposure first to the virus and then to the... Um, this is the cytokine storm they talk about. Yes, that's exactly right. The cytokine storm, exactly what it is. So, I mean, we're looking at all of this at once, and we started to realize, wait a minute, there's something really, really large going on here. And I've heard about Bill Gates, and I thought it was nonsense. And, you know, I mean, this big monster guy, he, he looks a, bit, a little bit like a weird adolescent, although he's a grown man. Well, it turns out that he is quite something. Um, so Gates, going back to uh, probably, probably, you know, 2005, six, seven, is already thinking about, vi- about vaccines. He'd like to make a killing on vaccines, and he believes that he can organize the world around vaccines. And that's basically what he did. And... In 2017, four or five different things happened. All of them coming, I believe, from working with Gates and 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 uh, Kraus, um, Klaus Schwab, Schwab, right, and, World Economic uh, Forum, from Davos, and I'll try to put them together for you. So, in 2017, the uh, FDA announces that it's beefing up and improving its um, ability to mount great resources in the face of a potential coming uh, epidemic. And that becomes a very big deal. And um, they start talking about an, you know, emergency procedures that are going to be done to fund drug companies to uh, rush through platforms in 2015. Gates announces, he's, and he announces this at Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum. People know it by the name of Davos in Switzerland. He announces that he's working with Pfizer in, t- in two or three different videos that were not very much watched. I mean, one of them was watched by 25,000 people. I mean, his videos are usually a million, so the, tens of millions. So these things were not being um, pushed. And in one, he, he, he's talking about how they're building platforms with these, uh, with these drug companies to rush through vaccines, how he expects cooperation from the federal government so they won't have to go through um, 
having having to uh, to actually get them fully approved <laughs> in a normal FDA Okay, process. I've got to I've got to jump in Dr. Bregan part in the interruption. We're up against a break here. We'll come back and we'll pick up on that. Bill Gates speaking at Davos creating these platforms to create these vaccines which will skirt around certain FDA requirements. It's all starting to line up, folks. Dr. Peter Bregan, co-author along with uh, his lovely bride Ginger, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. Back with more. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. This one's too hot for YouTube, folks. You'll find it on rumble.com. We are with uh, Dr. Peter Bregan, Harvard-trained psychiatrist, author of uh, some 20 books, over 70 scientific uh, papers and his latest co-authored with his wife ginger COVID 19 and the global predators we are the prey so we were talking about uh, bill gates speaking at uh, davos talking about uh, uh, marshalling all of these resources to uh, prepare for the next coming pandemic and uh, you, you uncovered some of these videos on youtube that uh, were not widely watched but he's talking with um i guess some some confidants in in the mainstream media, some journalists. What is he telling them? Well, he's basically describing Operation Warp Speed to them, which is just amazing. Um, he doesn't use those words, but he's describing it. He's also describing what he already knew about, which was the Emergency Use Authorization Act which was being tooled up that very year. There's, again, 2017, early in the year, the FDA puts out new regulations about a new new uh, emphasis on it. And what the EUA was going to do was exactly what Klaus Schwab was saying we need to do in the world, um, you know, with his concept of the Great Reset. And that is he want, they were going to bring together philanthropic organizations, industry and government, and all these things to save humanity. They were not going to go through democratic processes, no interest in liberty, there's no concern about collateral damage. It's all in 2017 already now, a huge setup that we will see unveiled under Donald Trump as if Donald Trump, you know, worked this out with Fauci. No, it's just Fauci being the uh, henchman of not just, of course, Gates, but these big corporations, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, J&J. And his two favorites are Moderna and Pfizer, and those are the first two to get the Rush approval. Isn't that interesting? His two of his biggest investments, favorites, are Moderna and Pfizer. So it's all set up really far in advance. So now, when, when people say, how did they get these vaccines so quickly and they rushed them through and, and uh, as you say, Operation Warp Speed, and there is some, some of the vaccine hesitancy is based on this notion that, wow, the, these things just came out of nowhere. You're saying, wait a minute, no. The, the documents show, the, if, you, if you follow the trail here, the, the, the virus – uh, was likely created created sometime after just after 2015, and then they had the vaccine almost what ready to go by 2017. No, I don't think so. 
what they have ready to go then is all the huge billions of dollars of investment into much of it through this organization, SEPI, that Schwab, again, Schwab is a big deal here, though he's not a huge billionaire, Schwab and Bill Gates, um, creating at Davos, and they are working with a huge foundation um, out of Great Britain that was also drug company funded. It's one of the largest foundations, Welcome Fund, that uh, the welcome trust that there is in the world. So it's all this money. That's what's coming together. In fact, they never can make a vaccine because what the research shows um, as they begin to do all this research. Oh, and also 2017, Gates is talking about the DNA and RNA viruses. I mean, vaccines. He's talking about right. it. And then Johns Hopkins, 2017, was closely involved with this. And all these people closely attached to China, Johns Hopkins, the Harvard public health people, the Hopkins public health people, they're all attached to the billionaires, to Bill Gates, to Michael Bloomberg. They're all, they're all attached, very easy to track. I don't know why we're the first people to kind of put the whole thing together, it looks like. So, so they, can I just circle back? A, they haven't got a vaccine because the problem is you can't make a good one. And... Uh. Okay. One reason is that the coronaviruses notoriously mutate. They don't have what other groups of viruses have, which are called editing facilities. They just they just mutate all the time, and not not not, not toward virulence, because there's there's nothing to gain in nature by being virulent. There's nothing to gain in human beings by being virulent. If you want to survive, be the common cold. The virulence does not come out of nature. And just as a little aside, the, there have been eight leaks that we know of now of um, SARS-CoV viruses going back to 2003 when there was a, a, a much smaller epidemic. And... The virus leaks, four of them are out of China, out of another facility in China. I'm not even sure we had uh, the, uh, the Wuhan Institute. Then they were out of Beijing. They were out of, one was out of uh, Taiwan, another was out of um, uh, another Far Eastern uh, labs in a, in a big city. So we've got eight leaks and we can't find a single pathogenic pandemic coronavirus in nature. They have hunted and searched and hunted and searched. So we don't even know if the first one was out of nature or out of Chinese lab. It came out of southern China, the first pandemic. All right. Dr. Bregan, I've got to jump in here. We, this was a short segment. We'll come back and uh, then we'll have... Uh well, clear sailing right to the top of the hour. Dr. Peter Bregan, co-author of COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. Stay with us. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. Fauci, we don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. 
Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Shi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus and then used this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund Virology. Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? D- Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina, not You don't think inserting in a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain-of-function? That is not... in the minority because... At least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact that people tweet that government signed. All right. There you go. That's an exchange between Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky and Dr. Anthony Fauci. So uh, based on your research, Dr. Bregan, I I hope you were able to hear that clip. Was Dr. Fauci lying? Oh, gosh, what did we say when we were kids? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, my God. It's just totally lying. He is so, totally lying. And is, it's, is there a- it's a horror, but, but I know this about these people. You know, it's just always just sitting listening to that replay. He's been functioning gain-of-function research. It's called gain-of-function in the research protocols. He calls it gain of function in one of his emails. It's clearly gain of function. And it's exactly the research that actually Obama, at the end, just at the very end, 2017 or so, before uh, he, he, he moved out, that uh, he, he on White House stationery said, let's put a moratorium on that. And Fauci lied to him as well. Fauci went on with the premier gain-of-function research, which is that paper from 2015, and you've properly highlighted on this show, out of North Carolina, and in collaboration with the Chinese. And he has also funded gain-of-function research 
not just that involved the U.S. and China. He has funded Chinese Chinese people like the infamous Shangli Shi or Shi Shangli. The bat, the bat lady, woman. yes. He has funded Chinese researchers working in the Wuhan Institute, in some cases, without any Americans uh, participating. And, and in one case, another whole ball of wax, uh, Peter Dayzak, who is a place where, where Fauci has been funding some of this uh, money through. Can we take a minute, though, and let me tell people a little bit about the book, because they don't know. Your audience doesn't know at this moment that they, in, in uh, five minutes, can have the manuscript of the book. So can I, can I just talk yes, about please. that? Yes, please. Yes. And maybe, maybe even uh, at the end, too. Well, when we started to, to write the book, we began to feel like it was not right to withhold this information. So we did something no author's ever done before. So here's the deal. If you live in the United States, and, and don't get worried if you uh, are in Europe and Canada, you get an even better deal in some ways. If you're in the United States, where we can actually mail books out, we can't mail books. We have to wait till we get up on other platforms, uh, you know, other uh, big-name places to, that can mail things to Europe without it costing $35 or to Canada. But right now, if you're in the American audience, Go to our dedicated website for the book. It's the same website for the rest of the world, and it's and it's called We Are the Prey. So we wanted something easy to remember. That's the subtitle of the book, WeAreThePrey.com. And if you order the book in advance, you will instantly, in your website, get the latest version of the manuscript, which right now is pretty much the finished manuscript. We're on the very last stages of a little bit of copy editing. So you'll get the finished manuscript minus a little copy editing immediately and get all this information I'm talking about, and I mean all of it, documented. The manuscript is like 600 pages of uh, PDF manuscript. It's got over a 1,000 citations in it. It's nicely written. And it's got three incredible introductions by the top treating physicians and organizers in the COVID-19 area. Uh, one of them uh, is Peter McCullough, who's a professor, department head, kind of a guy, 600 publications. He's got Texas A&M University. He was before this started. He was a cardi cardiologist, Peter McCullough, uh, Vladimir Zevzelenko, and uh, Lee Leet, uh, M.D., uh, Zelenko came uh, up with the hydroxychloroquine zinc um, uh, yeah, protocol, Vladimir right? Zelenko, Zelenko came up with the original treatment using zinc and using hydroxychloroquine and using other uh, adjuncts. Peter McCullough did the two largest reviews on this, showing how effective it is. One of his reviews, I think, has 40 contributing physicians. Uh, Dr. Lee Vliet. And all these, these are friends of mine now. We've made wonderful friends. She is the writer who created, along with Peter McCullough, the way to get uh, the treatment manual. And you can get that for, for free. You'll find out how to do it in my book, but you can also get it for free um, by going to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons website, Association of American Physicians and 
surgeons, and you'll see this blue book. But all that is also in, in my book. Now, if you are outside the U.S. and you go to We Are the Prey, you, you are going to just be able to get the manuscript for free, period, because we can't mail you the book. We don't have that kind of, of monopoly with the uh, arrangement with the, uh, with the U.S. Post Office. But we will then get your name from that, and we'll, rem- we'll alert you when the book is alert, is, a, is, is uh, able to be obtained um, easily in Canada and around the world. So all of your audience tonight, everyone, by going to wearetheprey.com can get the manuscript. And you can all do right, the we've... same thing through our website. We have a huge website, bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com. But I think you should go to the dedicated one for the book and, and the manuscript, make it easy for yourself, wearetheprey.com. Right. Prey, P-R-E-Y, P-R-E-Y, as in predator, prey. We are yeah, the prey. If you make a mistake and misspell it, my wife has that covered. You'll still go to we are. Brilliant, the brilliant. Okay, we'll uh, we'll take a. We're at the top of the hour. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Hour two with Dr. Peter Bregan awaits. Don't go away.